And a good morning, church. It's such a privilege to be speaking to you this morning. Last week, Barbara spoke on Ephesians 3, verses 14 to 19, all about the transforming power of God's love. And today, we're going to be focusing on the last two verses of that same chapter, Ephesians 3, verses 20 to 21. It's part of our sit, walk, stand sermon series, and it is the sit part still of that series. And I've called this talk today, God is Able. I'm going to read from the NIV translation. So this is Ephesians 3, verses 20 to 21. And it says this. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Now, I'm guessing that you've come across these verses before, and many of you will know them really, really well. As for me, I've often prayed for God to move in power, quoting these very verses, because they've encouraged me and filled me with faith that God can do immeasurably more than all that I'm asking him. But as I reread these verses and prayed about them and researched them in readiness for my talk today, what I realised was I tended to focus mainly on the things I was asking for God to do and the things I was wanting to see God uh, working on and had missed some of the depths and the truths that were in these verses. You see, these verses are not so much about me and what I want to receive, but are focused on God on who he is and uh, on his glory. And Paul is bubbling over with praise for God. Uh, Why? Because there is nobody like him. He is all-powerful and his power is limitless. He's all-knowing, he's all-wise, everlasting and unchanging. He made everything Nothing was made that has been made. Oops, let let me say that again. In John 1 verse 3, it says, Through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that has been made. He is holy and without fault. He determines our steps, and he holds the destiny of every single person in his hand. He's beautiful. He's majestic. He's loving and merciful. He's tender and kind. He's good and he's made a way for us to become right with him through Jesus and adopted us as his children. He's our heavenly father. All glory and honour are his and he is worthy of all our praise. Now God reveals his glory through the church, through us. And as we worship him and we enjoy him and reflect his attributes, we glorify him. And God's glory is, of course, revealed through Jesus, through his life of obedience to the Father and through his death on the cross, which demonstrates not only God's holiness and righteousness, but God's love and his grace too. And what is incredible is that God's power, that very power that raised Jesus from the dead, is already living in us and at work in us. This is Holy Spirit who works to accomplish God's will throughout the church, throughout the whole of creation and to bring glory to God. And God's goal 
is his glory. From our earthly and human mindset and experience, we might feel a bit uncomfortable about somebody wanting praise and glory, but God is not anyone. He's God. He's not insecure or narcissistic. God doesn't need our praise. He's not lacking in any way. Because he's God, he's not susceptible to being arrogant or proud in the way that we are. As human beings, we shouldn't be puffed up and proud and think higher of ourselves than we ought. And equally, we shouldn't speak negatively about ourselves or put ourselves down. Either one of these two things is wrong and causes harm. But God, in glorifying himself, is not making himself any bigger than he is. He's simply being true to his very nature. In fact, God making himself the centre of everything is him loving us really well because it's only by him being at the very centre of our lives and the focus of our praise that we experience true, true joy and satisfaction because God made us for himself. Reminding ourselves of these truths is helping us to sit and to have the right perspective and to position ourselves to pray expectantly to him. This is the sit part. So moving on to a practical application, how does knowing these verses affect how we pray? I've got three points that I want you to take away today and they are these. So the first one is directly related to these verses. We can pray with confidence, believing that God is able to answer our biggest, most humanly impossible prayers. And then I've got two other points here that are linked to that. The second one is that it's really important to lay down and process our disappointment if God doesn't answer in the way that we'd hoped. And the third one is, it's so important to pray with perseverance. I'd like to share a story with you now that um, is an answer to prayer that we've had in our family that's made just the most massive difference in our lives and has brought transformation in just such an incredible way. And um, I want to share it to give glory to God and to encourage you all. And what I'm going to try and do is include these points in my story um, and expand on them too. Um, my story involves uh, my son, Jamie, and I do have his permission to share this testimony of God's power and transformation in his life. I try to talk really openly about the struggles that we have as a family because God's goodness and kindness and faithfulness and power underpin it all. And because I want to acknowledge what God has done, it's my worship to him. And it also enables me to share God with people who don't know him yet. I also want my children to be able to talk about their struggles with honesty and openness and without embarrassment or shame. And to know that they are loved and accepted despite all the struggles that are going on in their lives. And I know also that it helps other people to share more openly about their struggles too. Now, Jamie received a medical diagnosis of ASD, which is Autistic Spectrum Disorder, when he was in year two. 
after his teachers in year one approached us and explained that in class he was really struggling and displaying uh, traits of autism or a possible auditory processing disorder. And we have been praying for Jamie since then because we want him to be freed from all the areas that he struggles with and because we believe that God hears our prayers and that he can do immeasurably more than all that we are asking. I've shared before at church our story of how God brought breakthrough to our prayers for Jamie when he was in year two, which resulted in him being able to learn and make progress, whereas he hadn't been able to do that before. And our recent big answer to prayer for Jamie happened in August last year. Now, you may know that for the last three to four years, off and on, we've had a really tough time in our family. Probably more on than off. (laughs) Um, This is because Jamie would take revenge on us if we ever did anything that he didn't like. And it made our life incredibly stressful. He never forgot anything. And he could think back to injustices that he felt had happened years before and exact revenge at the point that they came back to mind. He'd throw away or destroy or damage our precious stuff. And I lost a lot of things of real sentimental value. He would uh, damage his stuff. He would say unkind things. He would be just so very difficult. Sometimes it would last for days after a single incident where he'd been told off. There were times when he'd be so angry with me that he would be full of hate towards me. And it was mainly me because I was his main caregiver. And uh, he would sit with Neil and he would talk about how he'd like me to suffer for what I'd done. And that was so painful to hear somebody you love talking about you in that way. In fact, sometimes I felt a little bit frightened. We asked for advice on uh, anger management strategies and twice we had people come from the Hearts Autism Advisory Service for a term at a time to help us work on discipline procedures. And uh, those helped a lot, but the root problem was still there and life was still very difficult. And yet, in between all these difficult times, Jamie could be loving, he, he would pray to God, he would ask God for pictures, God would speak to him, he'd be praying for his friends at school, he'd be praying that he would be able to share Jesus with them, and he could be really kind and generous too. Now, Neil and I know that prayer makes a difference, and we believe that when we pray, things change that wouldn't if we didn't pray. We know that we can pray big prayers because God is powerful and he is able to answer. Bold prayers honour God, says Mark Batterson, who's the author of The Circle Maker. And he also explains that God is insulted by anything less. We dishonour God when we don't pray big prayers. Not only Neil and I were praying for Jamie, but we had friends, in fact, many of you, who were praying for us too, and family. And every time I went to a kids' conference for work, I asked for prayer for Jamie too. 
On a walk in June 2017, God gave me a picture of a dog worrying a bone. It was gnawing and gnawing and gnawing away until the bone cracked open and all the meaty goodness inside was exposed. And I believed God was asking me to persevere in praying for his will to be done in our situation. God is all-wise and all-knowing, and his timing is perfect. And we also don't know what spiritual forces are in play. And I think particularly of the book of Daniel when I say that, and how Daniel prayed, and his prayer was delayed. So it's so important to persevere in prayer. The great 19th century preacher Charles Spurgeon, using a church bell high in the belfry as a metaphor for prayer, said this. He said, prayer pulls the rope below and the great bell rings above in the ears of God. Some scarcely stir the bell, for they pray so languidly. Others give but an occasional pluck at the rope. But he who wins with heaven is the person who grasps the rope boldly and pulls continuously with all his might. But there were many times when life felt particularly tough and I would feel such disappointment and hopelessness. One week in the summer of 2018, things were particularly bad. Jamie's behaviour had been particularly challenging and dangerous and uh, I, I honestly felt like I was falling apart over the stress and the strain of it. I cried out to God all week in tears and I didn't hear anything. I felt exhausted. I felt despondent. And I did wonder what the point of praying was. Then the week after, a lady from another church who didn't know anything about our situation told me that Holy Spirit had told her to tell me to persevere in prayer for my children. She ordered a book called The Power of a Praying Parent, and it arrived that week. We used it to pray for Jamie and Izzy, and Neil still uses it more than I do to this day. I feel like prayer is such a battle because the devil knows that God acts powerfully in accordance to our prayers. One of his tactics is to make us feel that our prayers aren't making a difference because then we stop, which is exactly what he wants. Prayer is so powerful, it's a mighty, mighty weapon against his schemes. I'm not immune to disappointment. And there have been a number of times when I have prayed with great expectation and my prayer has not been answered as I'd hoped. It can feel so painful when we pray with great expectation because we're making ourselves vulnerable to possible disappointment. And it's so tempting to put walls up around your heart to protect it from the pain and disappointment or to limit what you pray based on your experience or to downgrade your prayers. I needed to be real about my disappointment, to confess it and to bring it to Jesus and ask him for forgiveness for believing lies like God doesn't hear me, God doesn't care about our family and Jamie, God is able but actually he's not going to answer my prayers. And important to turn to God instead and trust in his character, his goodness and his love. 
We're unable to see the big picture of what God is doing, but we know that he works for the good of those who love him. And we can have confidence in the ultimate triumph of God over everything. My experience has been that I cannot give myself fully to God when I'm carrying disappointment because I close parts of my heart off to him and I cannot experience him or relate to him or be used by him in the same way that I could otherwise. He wants me to pray with faith and expectation. In November 2018, we had a staff meeting at church, which I think was led by you, actually, Gareth. And it was um, on the topic of forgiveness. That evening at home, I discovered Jamie had thrown away something very precious to me because I'd got cross with him about three months earlier. Neil told Jamie that he needed to forgive me. And together with my daughter Izzy, we went to his bedroom and we sat on his floor. And I talked about what Gareth had spoken about in our staff meeting on forgiveness and the five steps he'd given us that could help lead us into forgiving someone with Jesus' help. Jamie was really, really open and receptive to this. And he forgave me for what I had done. And then he forgave Neil for things Neil had done. And then he forgave Izzy for all her bossing him about. (laughs) He had a brilliant four weeks afterwards. And it was in that moment, sitting on his bedroom floor, that I had a revelation that forgiveness was the key to Jamie's freedom. I don't even know why I'd never seen it before. It seemed so clear at the time. All of a sudden, I could see that Jamie was chained and that his actions were dictated by his inability to forgive and let go. He desperately wanted friends at school, but it was like he couldn't help himself be mean to them and other children because things they had done, because of ways that they had hurt him, even months before. I realised that if he could forgive his character would look completely different. And this is what I began to focus my prayers on. I read books about forgiveness with him and I talked about it with him and we continued to pray. Well, in August last year, we had another particularly bad week. By the end of the week, I felt like I couldn't go on. I felt like I'd been emotionally abused, actually, by my son. I was fed up of his rudeness and unkindness and unhappiness. Neil and I took him to his bedroom and we sat down with him and we told him he needed to forgive me or we wouldn't leave his room. (laughs) That we we wouldn't leave his room until he'd forgiven me. I asked him what it is I'd done because I had absolutely no idea and he wouldn't tell us. And we sat for over half an hour in silence. Finally, he explained that it was because homeschool was boring and a couple of other things that I can't even remember now. And Neil asked him if he would make a decision to forgive me. And he wouldn't, so we sat for longer. In the end, Jamie said he would forgive me. But when Neil said, will you give mummy a hug, he couldn't. We sat again. And finally, Neil and I got up and moved out to the landing, and Jamie followed us. And he said he really wanted to give me a hug. He just felt he couldn't. He was still full of hate towards me. 
Eventually, Jamie reached out to his arms and started to hug me. And in that moment, he started to retch and be sick. And then his mood, as he hugged me, completely changed. He was a different child. Our testimony is that from that point, whenever he's been cross or upset with us, it has not lasted beyond a day. I think a week later, we went for a walk. Jamie was in a really bad mood. We were walking to his secondary school so that he would know the way, and he hadn't wanted to go there. He'd wanted to go to the park, and he was being so difficult. But then, towards the end of that walk, he just suddenly turned round and said, I'm sorry, and I forgive you. And that has continued from then on. We don't worry, Izzy and I don't worry about telling him off and wondering whether he's gone upstairs to damage our stuff or to destroy something. I don't have to worry when I go to the shops that he may have taken my bank card out and hidden it. Our family is so much happier. He's free from the control that unforgiveness has had over him and it's like his very character is changing. And I don't have any fear of his hurting me. We are so grateful to God for this answer to prayer and for the transformation that he has brought in Jamie's life. Life can still be tough and Jamie still has difficulties with other friendships. And there are things that we are still continuing to pray for that are struggles for him still. But God has freed Jamie in this area of his life of unforgiveness and exacting revenge on us. As I was praying before writing this talk, I had a picture. It was myself on a stage, and next to me was a table with something covered up by a red curtain. It's like a red velvet curtain. And it was like I was like this showman. But instead of the spotlight being on me, I pulled the covering off the object on the table next to me and it was a dazzling diamond, huge and beautiful. And it became the focus of the whole stage. And what I pray is that this story and my talk on these verses has done just that, that it has directed your gaze to God how incredible he is with all glory going to him and that you would be encouraged to pray bold prayers to the God who is able and that you would keep praying.